One of the most perplexing things, I think, as a minister um, is to know that we can preach the Word of God to you, we can talk about the, the Scripture, we can put it out there for you, but if you don't understand it, if you hear it but you don't understand it, um, it's not going to make any difference to your life. And there is so much um, in terms of differences in, in terms of our lives from how much we understand. I mean, I can, I can, I can maybe sit and talk to Ruth and Ruth can sit there and she may understand a certain level of things and I might talk to Graham and he may understand something different and I might talk to Ben and he may understand something different again. And so we all have different levels of understanding. And so when it, when it comes to preaching, it becomes really difficult because you try and make it so that everybody can understand somebody, something, you know. And so when we talk to our African brothers and sisters, they're level of understanding may be different again to ours and so we try and make it so that we can all get something at least one thing try and get one thing out of today if you can get just one thing and just take that home and just say oh Jesus help me work with that one thing if we all work with one thing every Sunday then at the end of the week we're working with 52 things end of the year yeah we're working with 52 things so yeah we're going to ask Jesus to help us to understand because we can talk and you can hear but still if you don't understand it's a God thing we've got to ask him to help us to understand so let's bow our heads Jesus we just thank you for your presence right with us you said where two or three are gathered in your name you are there in the midst of them So you are right here with us right now. We're just going to take some time, Lord Jesus, to think about that. That Jesus, you are here in this room with us right now. Lord, I ask that you would bind every spirit that would try and confuse, that would try and bring, Lord, some sort of distraction, that would try and muzzle your word, Father. We bind every spirit in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask right now that you open our ears, that we would hear your word. Not only would we hear your word, we would understand your word. And not only would we understand your word, but that we would have a will to do your word. We ask that you'd help me, Lord Jesus, when I speak, to communicate across the diversity that's in this room. Lord, that you would speak into the hearts and the lives of the youngest to the oldest. And we ask that you do this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay. So here we go. We're talking about prayer that overcomes. And we talked last week about the difference between a context and a pretext. And if you remember, I said, when you take, have a context, it's, you look at something within its surrounding area. So I used the illustration of a photo album, and I thought about it. It wasn't a very clear illustration, so I'm going to give it to you again. Just imagine I was showing you pictures in a photo album, and it was pictures of Nathan's first birthday. It's year one. He's one year old, and we're having a birthday party. And I have this... Pictures, all the pictures of his first birthday party together. 
That would be a picture of Nathan in the context of his first birthday. Now, I can take a photograph out of that and I can put it in my pocket or in my wallet and I can carry it with me around it and I say, this is my son. Do you want to see a picture of my son? Here he is. And I can do that. I can have a picture of him now that he is an old man, older man. He's got a child and I'm a grandfather. I can have a picture of him one years old. And somebody can come up to me and say, have you got any children? I said, I have a son. And I can show him a picture of the son. This is my son. And he'll want to think, you have such a baby. You know, he's just so young. So he will ask, when was it taken? When did you take that photograph? Oh, 29 years ago when he was one. If I show him the picture and he's one years old, if I make it a pretext, the person thinks that I have a one-year-old child. He might say, when was it taken? I say, in the context of this picture, he was 29 years ago. Do you understand? Context and pretext. It's still a picture of my son. But I have to, if I want to understand where it is, I have to ask for the context. So it's the same with scripture. If I take a passage out of the Bible and I read it and I take it out of its context, sometimes I can get the wrong idea. And so reading the Bible in its context is very important. Asking the question, what's happening now in this situation is very important. So the context of Ephesians chapter 6, the photograph that's around this passage, we have a, a man standing there with the armor of God on, and he's got a sword of the Spirit, he's got the shield of faith, he's got the belt of truth, he's got his feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, he's got the breastplate of righteousness, he's got the helmet of salvation, he's standing there, and he said, well, well, that's a wonderful picture. But you need to ask, what's the context of the picture? Where did that picture appear in the photograph album? And the picture appeared in the photograph album when Paul is talking about prayer. Not when Paul's talking about conquer the devil this way. He's talking about prayer. He says praying. And so we looked at this passage of scripture last week and we saw that prayer was the context of this whole passage of scripture. Last week we looked at being strong in the Lord. It's not just being strong in the Lord, but in your prayer. If you want your prayer to be strong, we looked at the Lordship of Jesus and doing and obeying and living in the Lordship of Jesus. That makes your prayers strong. When you live in obedience before God, you can ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you because God says, if you obey me, I will do what you ask. We don't get our prayers answered a lot of time because we are living in disobedience. We don't listen to God. We don't obey God. We're indifferent to God. We're indifferent to poor people. We we just don't do the right thing. And then we say, come on, God, you know, jump through my hoops. He says, I'm not going to jump through your hoops because I want you to live right. I want you to be right. I want you to live right and be right. I'll just, I'll do what I promised I'd do. I'd answer your prayers. So being strong in the Lord is living right. It's being strong in Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you're the ruler of my life. You're the controller of my life. You're the one who leads me and guides me. You're the one who defines my life for me. And then we're going to look at this week, we're going to standing your ground and standing firm. So it's really interesting that Graham 
has, has talked about standing and we had some songs on standing because it, it just makes me think that the Holy Spirit just really wants you to understand something about standing firm, standing your ground. And then we looked at the context because we know it's the context because Paul repeats this idea right through at the end of this. He says, pray in the Spirit, pray on all occasions, pray with all kinds of prayers, praying while being alert, praying for all of the Lord's people. And then Paul asks for personal prayer for him as he does the ministry that his preaching would be bold and, 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 uh, and effective so we know that the context of this whole passage is prayer because it's repeated over and over and over again so it's like the theme you know you look at this picture you know what's happening at this picture a birthday party this one here's a birthday party it's a, it's a birthday party now this repeated themes in photographs will tell you you're at a birthday party repeated ideas in this passage of scripture tells you that it's talking about prayer okay god help us understand that so that we can learn from that as we read the bible and keep it right in our minds amen okay all right let's have a look at stand your ground today prayer is a struggle and it's against the devil's forces and prayer that overcomes overcomes the world the flesh and the devil and we read this passage of scripture in first peter chapter 5 verses 8 to 9 it says be sober and be vigilant he says because the adversary the devil and the word adversary means the one who's against you your adversary the devil the one who is against you he's prowling around like a lion seeking whom he may devour so we've got this devil this enemy that's not given up on destroying us and what he's doing is every day, every minute of the day, he's looking for an opportunity to undo you, to trip you up, to try and stop you from being effective. And he does that mostly when you want to pray. If you want to pray and you want to start praying, the devil, the adversary comes and he starts to work to try and undo the thing that you would want God to help you with. So he's there doing that. He says... But you must resist him steadfast in the faith. You must stand your ground. So that means we're going to have constant pressure. Come here, Elliot. Just come to me. I'm your uncle, so come to Uncle Mark. Oh, by the way, we have some mandarins down the back and some garlic. Help yourself. I'm free. Now, this is a strong young man, isn't he? Is he good looking? All right. All right, all right, all right. Now, I want you to lean against me. Come on, lean against me. Just put your weight on me. Now, now, I want you to start to really put your weight on me. So really put your weight on me so that you can push me. Like push me off my feet. Come on now, tell me when you're going to start, okay? Now, look, what's the problem? What... Hey, don't hurt your oh, don't hurt your knees. Which one's the sore knee? Okay, okay, it's okay. Just keep the weight off. You just get yeah. Come on now, come on now. Now what's happening here? I'm resisting. Otherwise, if I resist now, push. Now you got to push. Okay, okay, let him go, and he would go across the bit. We don't want him hurt. Now look, when you're talking about talking about stand and they're talking about resisting, you've got to understand that there is weight coming at you. Don't think that you can just stand in, in life and it's, there's no weight coming on me. There's no pressure on my life. That's not what the scripture tells me. The scripture tells me that as you're coming, there's going to be pressure on you. 
Immediately you start walking for Jesus, you're going to be stepping into a river and the current's going to be taking you down to the, the ocean of sickness and sin and all the other things. And you have to stand your ground against the current that's coming a bit so that you don't get washed away. So that's the idea of stand. It says resist him. And you can't resist him without effort. Okay, lean on the person beside you. Try, well, if you've got somebody beside you, lean. Now, you notice something, you notice something. If somebody is leaning on you, you have to somehow push back, don't you? Otherwise, you'll be pushed off your chair. You can stop leaning now. That's enough pushing around. So this idea of standing is not passively standing here. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about taking up a stance which is, means you're going to express some sort of strength toward a certain area that's pushing at you. So you've got to locate where you're pushing against. So if you're at church and you find yourself pushing against church and you're pushing against God and you're pushing against people in the church and you're pushing against the right, you've got to slow down and think, oh, well, am I heading in the right direction? If somebody says, oh, let's go to a prayer meeting. Oh, I don't think I want to go. You're actually pushed against the prayer meeting idea. So let's, let's go out and do some, oh, you know, push against that idea. Let's get involved with one another. And let's just do something for Jesus. And you push against that idea. Wait a minute. We're meant to be pushing against the devil, not against each other. This is the truth. And yet in a lot of churches, I see people pushing against each other. You know, somebody gets a good idea to do something for God. It's not like we, we, we run into an agreement. Let's do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go for it. Amen. What we find is that they push against the idea. Push against it to try and stop it. And I just wonder whether the devil's got somewhere in our in their heads that he's sort of messing it up so that we don't identify who we should be pushing against. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Everybody say, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Yes, you've got to resist the devil. And guess what? When you resist him, he's weak. He runs away. Stand steadfast in your faith, it says. Steadfast in your faith. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 13 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the trickiness. Remember we said the word wiles is the word tricky schemes. The trickiness of the devil. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, and he gives you four ideas. And I'm going to do these things very, because I think you've got to know what you're pushing against, Okay. So he says the first word is principalities. And I'll write it here. Principalities. And the word in the Greek is the word archie. And it means commencements, commencements or beginnings. It also has the idea of chief. But we know that this demonic force is not the chief demonic force because it goes on to talk about the uh, demons in spiritual heavenly places. They are the ones who are the big chief. This one has the idea of commencements, the beginnings. 
Like the word Aceh used, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He talks about the beginning of time. So it's the same word. So you can choose whether it's the chief, the first, biggest, strongest, or whether you talk about the beginning. And I think this is the demonic thing he's talking about. He says, the demonic is the beginning. So the first thing you've got to wrestle against is the beginning of thoughts. Now, Liz talked about this idea that you get a lonely thought and you're feeling lonely and your emotions tell you you're lonely, you're thinking lonely thoughts and you, you start to feel, oh, has God really left me alone? And you're feeling, you have to fight that. You can't just go along with that. You have to resist that. You have to say, this is the first little demonic thing that's coming into my head trying to tell me something that's not right. I'm going to have to resist that. So if I'm going to fight, I'm going to push back, I'm going to push back, I'm going to push back at thoughts that I know are not right. The next word, he says, against powers. And the word powers is the word krata in the Greek. Now, it doesn't matter what word it is, but it's, I'm giving it you so you understand that there is a word behind it. And it means to hold by force. So if I was to come over here and I was, stand up, Jennifer Reed. Now, quickly. Okay, now I'm holding her by force. Now, I want you to run over to Elliot. Will you run over to Elliot? I, no, you can't. Why can't you? Because you got me. I've got you. Now, now, that's the problem. You see, the word crater means to get them, to hold them by force. And you know, thoughts, if you let them run, turn into habits. Habits and attitudes that hold you. They turn into attitudes, that addictions. They turn into things that hold you there. You, I, you can have attitudes of unforgiveness. You have thoughts that have just come across in your head. They've built up these attitudes. They've been there for a long time and they're like chains. And you say, well, let's get on with life. Let's do this thing for Jesus. And you say, I can't because I can't trust people because I'm unforgiving. Just hold you up there. Gotcha. You let the thoughts stay and the thoughts turn into chains and they gotcha. You've got to wrestle against those things. You've got to throw those chains off. You've got to push against that thing and say, I'm not going to let that, the devil hold me like that. The devil wants to tie you up with those things. The next one is called um, the rulers of the darkness of this age. Now, the rulers of the darkness of this age is two words. It's called cosmo, and it's this word crater again. And the word cosmo is the word for world, but it has an interesting idea. It says order and arrangement. So it's whatever holds you by force which has order and arrangement. There's nothing that has order and arrangement like culture. Nothing that, you know, the way we do things in Africa or the way we do things in Australia or the American way, this is culture. And when culture is not of God, it holds you by force. It holds you up and you can't move. You know, you can start with your thinking... And that can get you stuck. Then that forms habits and you're living in a culture and the whole of the culture starts to live like this way. And all of a sudden, you can't move because you're caught. You're caught inside by something. You, you don't even know that there's an Australian way which is not of God. It's called the great long weekend. Let's have fun and excitement and let's just have pleasure. Let's just forget about responsibility. Let's just do as we please. Oh, you get caught by that. Oh, we, we deserve to have a break every weekend. We deserve to. You know, and other people come here and they say, what do you do? Refugees come here and say, 
this is an opportunity to work. And they are willing to work seven, eight days a week. Straight. They'll create work when you're not. When you're having a holiday, they'll be working hard because they have an idea that is different to your idea and they're run by a different culture. So the third thing is that the rulers or the cosmocrata is culture. It's outside of ourselves. So we have, first of all, the struggle is here in our minds. Secondly, it's not just in our minds. It's become part of our attitudes, part of our, the attitudes that we have. And then it's part of the culture in which we live. And then it goes on and says, and against spiritual hosts in the heavenly places. That's the demonic world. That's out there. So it talks about, you know, the spirit that is behind communism. There's an evil spirit behind communism wanting to develop it. There's, there's an equally evil spirit behind capitalism. It's just there, you know. Great wealth and status. There's an evil spirit behind humanism. And there's an evil spirit behind all the different kinds of like Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam. And all those things are governed and controlled by evil. And those evil spirits are over regions. And so what you have in, in Australia is have these demons saying, we want to establish an Islamic state. And so the demons are working now to bring converts to Islam into the place so they can change the rule over this place. Or they've got humanism in our universities and they say, what we want is a secular society. And so they're working now to establish secular ideas, godless ideas, evolutionary ideas in the minds of our young people so they can rule and reign over our society. That's the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. So when Paul's talking about these things, he's talking very specifically about where it all begins and where it all ends. And so where did communism begin? Well, what was his name? Karl Marx sat down one day and had a thought. He thought, that's an interesting thought. And so he began to write until the thought became a whole idea that ruled and governed his life. He continued to think and started to speak about that thought and all of a sudden it became a national identity for a whole group of people. They be, we are communisms. We are of Karl Marx. And now it's gone into all the universities and all the universities around the world. It's become a movement of communism and socialism around the world. Where did, where did it start? Someone's thought. The devil got hold of someone's thought. You know, he, he can't control you unless he gets hold of your mind. So you have to resist it. And that's the, that's the great thing about the Word of God because the Word of God fixes your head. It fixes your mind. It fixes your thoughts. Amen? So if you want to resist the devil, if you want to stand against the devil, you've got to get the Word of God into your head. That way you can resist the devil. You can stand against him. Everything that comes at you, you can fight it. Some of those ideas that are out there are very complex. But if you take the word of God, the word of God has an answer to all of the complex arguments that come at it. He is the truth. Amen? So there it is. little picture. Arche, that's the thoughts in the middle. It's your thought bubble. The second one's crowded. It's the habits around it. The third one is the cultural ways. And the fourth one is the big picture. So that's what you're wrestling against. That's what you're fighting against. That's how it works. You can come and get that off me later if you want. So he says, therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The word withstand means to set oneself against. So it's like I said to you before. It's 
pushing against something. You can't withstand without exerting pressure against something. So in your Christian life, when you wake up in the morning and you start your day tomorrow morning if the Lord tarries, the first thing that you have to determine in your mind is that you will have to withstand. You will have to press against something that's going to come into your head. And usually like this morning, I woke up at about 3.35 and, and God spoke to me and said, I, I have some more things I want to put in your sermon. So I had done the bulk of it and I thought, ah, this morning, the bed is particularly warm. And if I stretch to the left, I can feel my wife beside me and she's particularly nice. And I'm particularly tired this morning, so I don't think that I would like to get up and start to think about what else you want to put in the sermon. And then he said, well, I just wanted to put in, and he told me the things he wanted to put in the sermon. As I was thinking, now this is becoming more difficult now because not only do I know that he wants me to get up and to get up and to put something in the sermon, he's actually told me what it is he wants me to put in the sermon. So I think, okay, well, I'll, you know, what do you do? You just, you have to withstand. You have to push against. You have to push against the desire to stay in bed because it's warm. You have to push against the desire to have a little bit more sleep. You've got to push against all of those things and you have to say, you know, the most important thing is to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I'm going to get up now and I'm going to do what I got up and then God gives you the strength to continue on and you, you look down and all of a sudden the ideas begin to flood into your mind. Now, if I didn't move, I think I wouldn't have the ideas to give you now. And I'd be sitting going, well, I hope you can get this. This is what God spoke to me this morning about. So I want you to listen to it because God, he says, you know, Mark, I love these people so much. I want you to share this with them so that they can get strong in their faith and be strong in their walk and push against the devil because I have a plan for you as a body of people. I have a great thing coming and I want you all to be involved and getting going. So that's why we have to withstand. It's, it's a very practical thing. You might wake up in the morning and you might feel like sleep. If the Holy Spirit suggests you should pray, what are you going to do? Pray. That's the one. Okay, so he says there in verse 13, Take therefore the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil one, and having done all to stand. And having done all is not just a little bit. It is everything that you can do. So it's everything that you can do. Everything that you can do, everything that you can perform, everything that you can fact, everything that you can do, you do. You do the best you can do. Because in the end of the exercise, that's what it counts. It takes the best you can do. It, it took Jesus the best he could do to come and die for us on the cross. And he's looking at us and says, now, come on, let's go. Let's do this for, for God, Father God. And so we do the best we can do. Amen? All right, therefore take up the whole armor of God and then he says that to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. And then the word to stand means to make firm, to fit, to establish, to fix, to keep intact, to stop, to stand still, to stand immovable, to stand firm, to stand ready to be prepared or prepared, to be steadfast of mind, not to waver, and not to hesitate. There's some of the meanings of the word to stand. Now you know when... when um, 
Elliot was pushing against me. There's a couple of reasons why I, I didn't move. One of the reasons is I'm fatter than he is. The, the mass is bigger than he is. So I know that all I have to do is brace this leg back like that, put my weight down onto my legs, and so when he's pushing against me, he cannot move the mass. Because the mass is great. And great is the mass. <laughs> so I know, I mean, I'm fixed. I'm prepared. I mean, if I'm standing there like that, leaning to one side and he pushes me, of course I will go that. But I, I'm prepared. I'm ready for this. I'm prepared. I'm, I'm down like this. I'm, I'm bouncing on my legs. My center of gravity is low. He can't push me. I know. He, and you look at him and he's pushing. He can't move me. He says, why is this man moving? I'm a strong young man. Because the mass has prepared. Listen, you have to have in your life a preparedness about your walk with God so that you get down and you prepare yourself for the thing that's coming against you. If you go into life just looking like that, you know, the first thing that hits you on the head will probably knock you out. But if you go into life preparing yourself for the thing that is coming against you, you are ready for the brawl. You are get yourself down low there and get ready for it. The mass is prepared. It doesn't matter what comes against you. It won't move you. Get prepared, get ready, get ready, get set. That's what you want to do. That's what's good about Christianity, isn't it? Remember the days when you were ready and the devil threw something at you and it just bounced off. Remember those days when the victory was yours in Jesus' name. When the devil came in and you resisted the temptation, remember those days when you said no to the devil and yes to Jesus and you felt a great big smile on the inside as the Holy Spirit said, yes, that's my man. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, you did that. Yeah, that was good. You did that. Remember that? If you did it once, it means you can do it every time. The only difference between doing it once and doing it every time is preparedness. Because if you're prepared, nothing will stop you. There is not anything in this world that will stop you if you are prepared. It can be difficult. It can be hard. It can be what it doesn't matter. If you're prepared, you will do all things that God equips you to do because he's there with you, helping you. Your failure comes when you don't prepare yourself for the battle. That's when your fail ha failure happens. You wake up in the morning and you forget about God completely. Just walk into the world and the devil's standing behind the door with a cricket bat and going, Hey, I, you want to take that across your head? You know, oh, what happened? I just got hit across the head. Where are you, God? Well, uh, Eli, just wake up with me, you know. Walk with me. As you're coming through the door, duck. Okay, you missed me, devil. <laughs> Friends, it's not too hard to understand this. The least can get it. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It says in 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because... Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, it's not, it's not hard to do this. You just have to wake up ready to do it and prepared to do it.
Amen? And your prayer life is like that. In your prayer life, it's just a continuous walk with Jesus in prayer. It's like, Jesus, walk with me now through life every minute of the day. I want to walk with you, Jesus. Talk to me. Let me be prepared continuously. And you'll be surprised the victories that you'll bring every day into your life because you're ready and walking with Jesus, Adolphin. Amen? Amen. So it says, be patient. James illustrates it, this whole idea of standing firm and being patient in prayer. He illustrates it by an illustration from the land, which is like a farmer. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring waves. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So sometimes when you're praying, you say, Lord Jesus, I'm praying for something that's not coming here. He says, yeah, no, 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 but just be patient. He says, you just did the sowing. You sow the seed. He said, now just pray, just keep on praying. He says, it's coming, the seed's germinating. God's causing the seed to germinate. It's starting to spring up and grow up and it will bring a harvest. Just be patient. And so when things are not happening as fast as you want them to be, the way to stand firm is not to say, oh, I pray and God never answers. No, no, you just got hit with a cricket bat by the devil then. No, the thing that you must remember is, you know, things don't happen instantly in God. Sometimes it's a growing season and the growing season means you have to be patient. I remember with my daughter Jade when she was first sort of thinking about agriculture in her life and we wanted to actually show her the importance of growing things. We were going to go and get some carrot seeds and grow carrot seeds. I think, Shandale, you grew some carrot seeds at your place. It's a long, arduous exercise, isn't it, to grow carrot seeds? So we told uh, Jade that uh, what you do to actually grow a carrot is you cut the top of the carrot off and you put it in the ground and then you come back in the morning the carrot's there underneath it. <laughs> we wanted to see if she believed us. So we cut the top of the carrot off, put it in the ground, and she planted it so, so carefully. And then, of course, first thing in the morning, she wakes up, oh, carrot. She runs outside. Of course, what we'd done is we'd, we'd dug a little hole and put a big long carrot into the ground. <laughs> and so when she, she grabbed the carrot. She, oh, daddy, a carrot. <laughs> and then we explained that you had to actually plant the seeds, you know. <laughs> it takes some time. You just can't pull carrots out of the ground like that. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't get it to work like that. You have to wait for the seed to germinate, to come up, and then it has to put its root down. And then with carrots, they have to have long, deep soil and so that the roots can grow nice and big and straight. And then after a little period of time, you've got a carrot. But you have to wait. And so when things are taking time in life, the way you stand firm, the way you prepare yourself for that is that you get ready to wait some time. Like I'm praying for something and I'm just saying, I know it's not going to come today. I mean, I'll not come tomorrow. I just got pregnant. You know how long I got to wait? I got to wait nine months for that one. Oh, listen, no, just, it's, oh, it's terrible, isn't it, Sifa? You know, nine months, you know, wait for this baby. You know, it's going to come soon, Sifa. It's coming soon. The babies are coming left, right and center. It's springtime in CDM. Woohoo! Mrs. Kangaroo came outside our place yesterday. We feed Mrs. Kangaroo and she likes to play. We throw her bread. She comes to the window and she looks up and says, can you feed me now? And Jenny opens the window and she throws, here's a crust of bread. And so she picks up the crust of bread and she eats it. Yesterday she came to the window. She says, have you got some food? Oh, by the way. And she opened her pouch and a little pink head came out looking at us. 
Have you? I said to Jenny, grandchildren, aren't they great? This one looks like its grandmother. <laughs> you want to see a picture of it? Come and see. I'll show you. Or Jenny will show you later. Little granddaughters, but they take time. Look, prepare yourself for the wait. Don't be idealistic. Don't be sitting there expectations. I prayed for it today. It's got to be here yesterday. You know, no, it takes time. Okay. James also goes on and says, look, when things get really tough, prepare yourself for the tough wait. And he tells us about, he says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. He says, You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He's he's saying, look, you you know about Job. How many people know about Job? Put your hand up if you know the story of Job. Okay, Job was a godly man. The devil says, I want to kick the godly man. God says, no, you can't kick him. And the devil says, yeah, yeah, he'll only worship you because you don't let me kick him. God says, okay, kick him. You watch, He he won't curse me. And so God let the devil kick Job. And boy, he kicked Job some bad times. He took his kids, he took his life. He left him on a pile of ashes with lots of boils all over him. And his wife said, why did you just curse God and die? His best friend deserted God and said to him, curse God and die. You know, and, and Job was a righteous man. He says, you know, I'm prepared in this situation. I am not going to curse God and die. I'm going through the hardship. I'm going through the pain. And then God said, see, I told you, devil, he will not curse me and die. So he blessed him double for everything that he lost. He blessed him. You know, you have to prepare yourself. If you have a vision or a dream that you want to fulfill, you know, don't think that the devil's going to say, oh, look, here's an open path. Just, Just do it. God has given us an open door. And then he says, with many adversaries. Like there's many people going to come and try and say, stop. You know, you say, I have a good idea and a good plan. You know what happens? The devil says, you know, we're going to try and stop that plan. Sometimes you use people in the church to try and stop the plan. But you know what? You have to be determined to press on and to keep on going in hard times. And even if it hurts you, and even if it makes you feel so sick inside, just keep pressing on because you know that if you keep on pressing on, God will bless you. The blessing is coming. Amen? Everybody turn around to somebody else and say, just don't hang on to your seat. The blessing is coming. Even though the times are tough, the blessings are coming. The blessings are coming. It's true. Yes. Then he says, look at Abraham. And so we get this idea from Abraham. Abraham stood even when it seemed impossible. It was impossible. You've got got to get your head around this. We see now young people. We're seeing Nathan and Rachel and and, uh, and Jade and Darren and Sifa, all young people. We're seeing them having babies, you know. And we see old folks like myself and we think, you know, have a baby, mate. It ain't happening any time here. Not at all. So Jen and I can look and we say, well, it's so fun. We have grandchildren coming. Why don't we have another one? We had that discussion. I'm serious. It looked like fun. Let's make the uncle or the, ne- or the aunt younger than the, and the nephew and the niece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you did that. You did that. I know you did. I know some of us have done that. Oh, we thought, I discussed that with Jenny because I thought that was a... 
Yeah, she shook her head just like that. She says, that's not possible. And I, you know, this is Abraham. God said to him, I'm going to give you a son. And that son's going to be, have children that is going to be more than the stars of the, of the heavens and more than the, sand, the, 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 uh, the sands of the shore, the grains of sand on the shore. He says, there's so many children you're going to have. He says, well, how's that going to happen? He says, I'm 100 years old. He says, and Sarah, well, Sarah's gone into menopause. You know what that is? She's not bearing any children anymore. So the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4, 8, it says, against all hope, so it was hopeless. Against all hope. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it was had been told, so shall your offspring be. See, when things seem impossible, you have to prepare yourself to stand against everything that's coming against you. And Abraham, when God told him that he was going, he believed God's word and his promise. And so he prepared himself to stand there and wait. And so when he got to 100 years old and he still, had, he still hadn't stopped preparing himself for a wait, and when his wife had gone into menopause so that she was no longer a, a little flower any longer, she had stopped reproducing, it didn't faze him. It didn't make any difference to him. And you know why it didn't? It said because without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since it was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, so we know she'd gone into menopause. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God was able or had the power to do that which he had promised. And so he had prepared himself for the impossible. Now, I don't know where you are in your situation. I don't know what's going on in your life. But you may have come to some situations and God may have said to you quite clearly, I want to bless you, I want to do this for you. And you've been waiting a long, long time. And it hasn't come. The blessing hasn't come. And you're just going to give up and despair and hope and say, oh, it's just not. Listen to me. Listen to me now very well. If God spoke to you, get yourself down on your legs. Get the mass down there strong. Push against every idea that comes against you and push through. Believe God against hope. Believe. Have faith. Push. Don't expect to see it tomorrow, but just expect to see it. You know, in the, in the Hebrews chapter 11, some of them died in faith believing, not receiving the promise. They didn't even get it while they were alive, but they died waiting for it, pushing against the devil. I would rather die waiting, pushing against the devil than, than, than give up while I'm alive and say, oh, well, God doesn't answer prayer. I would rather die believing that God would answer prayer than give up. You've got to choose your pressure. You've got to choose where you lean? Do you lean against God and start to talk bad about God? Or do you lean with God and say, I, I'm not judging things according to the way I see things. I'm judging things according to God's word. That's what I'm, I'm putting my pressure in behind God's word. God's word is true. His character is true. That's where I'm standing. You've got to make a choice. Where you are going to lean? Where are you going to lean today? In Exodus chapter 14, verses 13, the Israelites were caught in a corner. 
Remember they'd come out of the Israel, Egypt and they'd travelled down along the coastline and they came to a peninsula. And then as they're coming to the... They're going to go into the desert to offer up sacrifices and then they're going to run away out of Egypt. Remember that story? When they got to the peninsula, in front of them was the sea, the Red Sea. A formidable ob- obstacle. They couldn't get through it. And then behind them, Egypt... The Pharaoh had sent the Egyptian troops with their horses and their chariots. And they were coming in behind. Now between them, the Egyptians and the children of Israel, God stood. A pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. He stood there protecting them. But the children of Israel were caught in a corner. They couldn't go through the water naturally. I mean, they, 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 they didn't know that they could go through. They just thought they were stuck. And then they looked around the only way to get out and they saw the troops coming against them, the enemy troops coming against them. You can get caught like that so quickly. In your stand, in your prayerful stand, you say, look, I want to believe. I want to believe for this thing. I can see a promised land. I can see a place flowing with milk and honey. I can see a place of freedom. I can see a place of liberty. And then when you look at it, there's a barrier in front of you that you can't get through. There's a barrier in front of that you can't cross. And then you look behind you and the devil's coming with his horses and his chariots to, to run you down. And you're caught in a corner. Prepare yourself. Take what Moses says. Stop. Stand still. Watch the salvation of the Lord. The enemies you see today, you're not going to see tomorrow. Now, they didn't know what was going to happen, but God knew what was going to happen. Amen? And he got into it. Now, listen to me. You head in God, it might not come right away. Stead, make yourself, you can't do anything about it anymore. It's not in your hands anymore. It's God who's going to do the work. You just get ready for the work to get done because God's going to do it. You're stuck in a corner. You can't do anything about it. You can't just march into the sea while it's there. God's got to open the sea for you. He's got to open the door for you. He's got to open a way for you. He's got to make a way in the desert for you. He's got to do that. You can't do that. He's got to do that. But you've got to get ready to walk. So you look at them. Don't fear for them. God's standing between them. He's going to keep them away. Wait. Stand still. Wait. Get ready. Let's go. God is going to bring a miracle. Wake up every day believing that the barriers that stand in front of you are going to break down as you stand in God and God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Stand still and watch the salvation of God. That's the attitude of getting ready to stand in prayer. Amen? It may look impossible. And in Hebrews chapter 12, we get the illustration of Jesus. We stand, he stood, even though it cost him his life. And this is the one we don't like. This is the one that is difficult for us. We don't like standing when it's going to cost us something to do it. Now, it may not cost me my physical life, but it sure is going to cost me my life because I'm going to have to die and Jesus is going to have to live. There's no way I can get going and do what God wants me to do and still be the one in the center of the picture. If I want to move where God wants me to do, I have to die. I've got to die. But then Jesus did that. He said, look, he looked at the cross and he despised the shame. He says, you know, I, I, it's, the word despise means thinks little of. He thought little of, this, of, of, the, of the difficulty that was there. And the reason why, he said, because you could see what was coming on the other side. 
And he was willing to stand up and die in that position. How much do you want the thing that God's laid on your heart? How, how strong will you grab this thing? You have to take hold of it and say, if it kills me, even if it kills me, I'm not quitting. I am not quitting. I am not giving up. I am bracing myself. And if God determines I should die in this stand, so be it. I will die in this stand. I would rather die here than give up and quit. That's preparing yourself. That's bracing yourself. It's being ready. And this is the promise. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Everybody say it. If we do not give up. At a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Turn to the person beside you. Don't you dare quit now. Don't you dare quit. When the, when the, tough, when the, when the going is getting tough, don't you quit. When it's impossible, don't quit. When things are hard, it might kill you. Don't quit. Hang in there for Jesus. Amen? And here's the beautiful promise that comes from he Hebrews chapter 10. This is the last scripture. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly, I like that, richly rewarded. You know, sometimes we think only here, you know, I, you know, I just have to hang on to it here. I want to be richly rewarded. You know, it, maybe it doesn't. Some grandmothers, they pray for the kids and they pray for the kids and they pray for the kids and they never see the answer to those prayers in their life. It's after they die that those children get saved and that they go on to be great men and women of God. Don't, you see, don't, don't think that your prayers sort of just fall on the ground and that's it, you've prayed it and it's... No, 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 no. When you pray and when you earnestly pray, God's got a pocket up in heaven that's got all your prayers in it. And he sends the answer when he's going, you, should, you, just, you spend some time in prayer, you spend some time, you did some toil in prayer, you did some hard work in prayer, God said, I got, the, I get, I got you, I got you, I'm answering your prayer. He said, but I can't see it, I can't see it. Just, just hang in there, hang in there. Daniel, just hang in there. Hang in there, the, prayer, the answer is coming. The answer is coming, it's on its way. And there's a battle in the heavens that's going with those principalities and powers. There's a battle going up that you can't see. But the answer is coming through because God's behind it. And you might die here and there, but the answer will come after you've got, gone through. I, I'm, I'm reminded right now of, of some guys who went into, into South America and they took a little yellow plane and they, they flew that little yellow plane. And who, what were the name of these guys? Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott and his mates, they were young men like Nathan's age, maybe a little younger than Nathan, and they wanted to do something for God, missionaries who wanted to do something for God. And they had planned to go to these lost tribes, these tribes up in the, in the, uh, in the Amazon region. So they, they flew a little plane over there and they, they, and they rode up the river until they could spot a, somebody in, sitting in the tree with a spear, you know. And so they watched these guys and they said, okay, we're going to try and contact them now. They prayed and prayed and asked God to give them strength and wisdom to go and do this, you know. And so they flew the plane there, they dropped a, dropped a string with a bucket in it out the plane and they did the circle thing like that so the bucket stayed in the one place. And they put stuff in the bucket for the tribes and the tribes came around and they got the stuff out of the bucket and they built up some sort of rapport by doing these amazing feats. 
missionary, young men who had a passion to see these things. So they decided they were going to land the plane on the riverbed, and that's what they did. They came down and they landed the plane on the riverbed. As they got out of them, they got, the tribe started to come out of the bushes towards them. And they were all happy to see the tribe. And then the guys in the tribe picked up their spears and killed them and ran them through and dropped them in their bodies into the water. Killed them right where they stood. Killed them right there. The whole lot were martyred. Before they even got to see one soul saved. Before one person got saved. You can go and buy this video in the video store. It's called The Point of the Spear. You can see the whole story. It's in your video store down there now. They all died. Lay in the water, floated down the stream. Some of their bodies, the people got. I can remember this happening. It was in my lifetime, wasn't it? I can remember the news coming across. These men being martyred. Well, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. You know, what can we do? I can't do anything about it. You know what? It's not hopeless. You know, the wives of these women were involved as well. And their children were involved as well. The wives went back into where their husbands had been. Their wives and their children went back up to the tribes. And their wives and their children converted the men who killed their husbands. Because the promise was coming. The answer was coming. It might cost you something, but don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. You might not see it, but your generation behind you might bring it through. I might die and not see it, but it will come because God said it will come. Amen? Stand firm. Don't quit. We are not of those who shrink back, it says. We are not of those who pull away. God is not pleased if I shrink back, if I draw back. God is with me if I stand firm and get ready. Prayer is about standing firm and getting ready to do the work, even if it kills you. Friends, God is calling us to do things, great things. But we have to have an attitude, a spirit within us that is greater than the spirit that's in the world. A determination to make it count even if it hurts us severely or kills us, we're going to do this. We're going to do this in Jesus' name. Amen? Listen to what he says. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back. Amen? We do not belong to those who shrink back. We do not belong to those who quit. We do not belong to those who give up. We are not in the process of giving up. There are plenty of opportunities where we could have given up. We are not in the process of giving up. We do not quit. We do not shrink back. He says, we have faith and are saved. Amen? Let's stand, shall we? God calls us to prepare ourselves in prayer. To ready ourselves for battle in prayer. So I want to pray more. I want to pray more effectively. Yes, I know you do. I do too. But you can't do that unless you prepare your mind to do that. You can't be effective in prayer unless you prepare your heart and your mind to be effective in prayer. Everything inside of you and everything around you will try and take your time away from praying. It'll try and take your mind away from praying. It'll try and crowd you with other things rather than praying.
Try and put other things in front of you that pay more attention. It's more important. These things are more important than praying. No, nothing is more important than seeking God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near, it says. Seek the Lord. Develop a, 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 a spirit that says, God, I'm going to go through this. When Jade was having a baby, she was at our place and she started having contractions at our place. Well, easy to quit, hey? You can't quit. You can't give up. You've got to bring it to birth. You've got to bring it to birth. What are you pregnant with? What are you pregnant with? What do you want? You've got to bring it to birth. That means you have to stand and you have to resist the temptation to quit and bring it to birth. You have to push against the things to bring it to birth. Bring it to birth in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's ask Jesus to help us. Lord Jesus, we know we are pregnant with, Lord, your opportunities. We know that you have given us great opportunities. They stand before us, Father. And Lord, we are full of, Lord, the things that you would have us to do. Lord, we ask that you'd cause us to be strong and to prepare our hearts. Lord, to push against every wile of the enemy, every trickiness of the enemy, Father, so that we can bring to birth your promise in Jesus' name. We ask this in the name of Jesus, and I ask you to touch every person here that may be weak, Lord Jesus, that may be feeling weak, Lord Jesus, that may be feeling that they don't have strength, Father. I ask you to strengthen them now by your Holy Spirit, Father, that you'd fill them with your strength. They'd be encouraged by you, Lord Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. We thank you for what you're doing right now in the lives of this congregation. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.